What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. I know it's been yet another hiatus, but, you know, this is what happens when I'm in Texas and you're still there and I deserted you. But anyway, Tom, I hope you're doing well, man. What's going on? Long week, long day, man. My account, my uh, Coinbase account got hacked today and they pulled all the money out of my bank account, so. Get the fuck out of here, really? Yeah, luckily, I'm losing all of my crypto, but luckily cash is still federally insured so <laughs> i will be getting all my monies back from my from my td bank but you know lesson learned i'm gonna take a little bit more of a conservative approach to investing and look a little more long term that's all you live and you learn right exactly exactly you know what if uh, the way i see it if i miss out on the crypto wave i probably wasn't going to become a millionaire off of it anyways whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna invest in some long-term blue chip stocks and have something to leave behind for my grandkids that's all hey listen that's a very admirable approach by you and but if uh, i find if i ever find the person that did this i'm gonna fucking kill you i'm just saying oh well there's there's no way you can take any course other than vengeance yep absolutely yeah well, when we blow up and we make enough money, you know, as our enterprise, you know, we'll, we'll be able to get you everything back and then some. That's absolutely right. Uh, luckily, I will be getting, knock on wood, I will be getting my cash back. But, you know, TD Bank has some pretty good security, so. That's why I said I will that. no longer be using companies, by the way, not to go on a little bit of a rant, that don't have a voice when you call customer support. Mm. Doesn't that kill you? Oh, it's the worst because there's no point of reference. So you're just like, what the fuck am I actually supposed to do? Yeah, and you know, all these companies at the end of the day that are customer facing, your customer service companies, and if you're going to get skimpy and cut costs, a customer service line for emergencies, and in my book, this was an emergency. It's probably not a lot of money to them, but it is to me. I think I should be able to talk to somebody. Think about how many other people were in your shoes, though, bro. Absolutely, man. So, yeah, I just got to keep an eye on all the accounts and make sure nothing else has been hacked. That's been my day. But aside from that, it was a nice mellow day. <laughs> I mean, aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it that that does suck. But I hope that, yeah, you get everything back. And, and like I said, crypto's then, gone, then unfortunately. Some. Yeah, well, you know. That's a problem with a decentralized economy. There's no insurance. Get your actual monies back, man. Get your actual monies back. Yes. Um, The Knicks are having a nice comeback against the Spurs. They were down 10, I think, at the end of the third. They're up like five right now. Great game. Yankees are getting smoked by the Rays, my friend. But uh, they are going to take two out of three. The first series they've won against Tampa Bay in like two years. That's big. Let's, Let's take a quick celebration. Yes. The Yankees took two of three in Tropicana, where they haven't won a series in two years. Yep. And the New York Knicks have clinched a playoff spot. Absolutely. I, I, I have to ask, how have you been? I've been all right, man. There's some personal shit that's been going on that's kept me away from being able to talk to you and to our audience and get a podcast out in appropriate timing. Frenchie still has to do his full draft recap. We'll touch upon a few things today, but... Um, you know, we're, we're making things happen down here and, you know, compartmentalizing shit. But at the end of the day, I'm perfectly fine. So that's good. Well, it's good to hear that you're perfectly fine. I hope you get all that sorted out. And listen, we're back to business, baby. When we're on the air, people listen and that's all that matters, right? Better late than never. 
That is all that matters. And listen, we've had a few hiatuses during our time, especially since I moved here. But every time we're on the air, we fucking bring it. So let's do it again. Definitely, my friend. Couldn't agree more. Um, Let's get right into it. You mentioned the draft. We'll talk about the NFL. Um, Draft day. We'll start with your New York Giants. I feel like I always pick my teams to start with, so I'm going to give you one here. Um, your boy, Davey Gettleman, decides to actually trade back. And you know what? It, it gives me the vibe that it was just like a fuck you to everybody bitching about him. It, Trader, Trader Dave was the nickname that he was doled out during that draft weekend two weeks ago, amazingly enough. And it really is pretty amazing, man. I mean, I I didn't see it happening, but the fucking Eagles fucked the Giants yet again. Yeah, so they, big time. They, they threw the Week 17 game that cost the Giants the playoff spot, and we talked about that at nauseum. The Giants should have had a better record, but if the Eagles actually tried, they might have won that game, and the Giants would have been in the playoffs. I forgot about uh, that. All, all for nothing. <laughs> they so a couple months fucking. later, they decide that the Cowboys and Eagles would co-conspire against the New York Giants because the Eagles had uh, 12, the Cowboys had 10, and the Giants were stuck in the middle at 11. So the Cowboys, once they realized that uh, Patrick Sertain, who got drafted by the Broncos, was not going to be available, the Cowboys said, well, the guy we don't want, or the guy we want, we don't have. So, ah, Eagles, you want to move up? And everybody, everybody knew they were going to take Devontae Smith out of Alabama, who the Giants had marked after Jalen Waddell went to Miami at six. Yes. And took him. And poached him, and I cannot tell you how many fucking expletives I was shouting at the TV when that happened, man. I I totally hear you, but the one thing I will say is, after Waddle comes off the board, if Devontae Smith is your guy, and he really is your guy, you truly believe in him as a first-round blue-chip player, I think you got to trade up and go and get him then. I just don't think they ever thought in a million years the Cowboys and Eagles would trade with each other. And that's why I'd fair. be that's why I'd be a better manager, general manager than Dave Gettleman, because I would I, <laughs> I would have all the variables going in my head. I'd say, "Fuck, I can't let this slip. I'm gonna go up and get my guy if you want him that bad." Well, I think they did, but I think they also had other guys on their board knowing that, hey, listen, this is this is the guy, and nine times out of ten, he's falling to us, but yep. it didn't happen. So. They ended up actually, I thought, had a really did a really good job because the Bears now want to trade up for a quarterback. Justin Fields and Mac Jones at the time are still on the board. Giants wanted their guy. He's not there. And they say, all right, we'll trade back with Chicago, who's sitting at 20. And they do that. The to Bears be honest, move good up. move for both of them. Very good move for both of them. The Giants get the Bears' 20, the 20th overall pick and their first-round pick next year, which – uh, should be a decent pick at least. And then the Giants are able to move to 20, and they're able to get Kadarius Tony, the French 5 number 4 receiver in the class, and there are rave reviews about him. So I felt good about that, and they got that draft capital. So I thought it was a win. How did you feel? From a Giants perspective, given the circumstances that you laid out, not being able to get Devonta Smith, I would have personally, if there was a trade to be made, traded up to get him at 9 or even below that. With that being said, uh, everything they got, and they still end up getting a first-round graded wide receiver, I think they did a great job through and through. I think they're also, you know, in the third round, I really like that pick. Shoring up their, their secondary. I like the moves that they make because, listen, I think the Giants have some of, some of the best corners in the league between Bradbury and the other guy they just signed. What's his name? 
Oh, they got Jackson, Adore Jackson. From yeah, Tennessee. but you know what? Strength on strength is how the NFL is being played now. You, you don't even go for weaknesses at some point. You go for strengths, and, and I really I think they're going to have a pretty good defense this year. Me too, man. I mean, and their defense was already good last year, but being able to get Aziz Ojari from Georgia, Georgia yeah, at, at 50, and they, tra- and they were able to trade back and get that capital from Miami to move up and get Robinson in round three. I mean, that's a tremendous move. I mean, Ojolari had first-round grades. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Xavier McKinney last year, although they stayed in their slot to get him. They, they moved back and still were able to get Ojolari. So I feel very good about their draft. They, they go with a linebacker out of Northern Iowa in round four, Allison Smith, pass rusher. And then two special teams guys late. I honestly thought it was a great draft. Not to be impactful, especially the first three-round guys. They got that Bears pick, which, let's be honest, man, starting Andy Dalton and then maybe having Justin Fields come way half through the year, this month. So, I mean, their quarterback situation is really not going to be very good, I'd imagine. And I don't love the rest of that team, so I don't know your thoughts. But I think the Giants are going to be picking in the top ten with a Bears pick this year. And, and hopefully they're in the playoffs, so they get the Bears pick early and then their own later on in the 20s. Yeah, I mean, top 15 is, is uh, in my opinion, the worst that, they, that you're going to see from them. So... I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think that they did a great job given the circumstances. And you know what? You got to give him credit for thinking on his feet. Absolutely. And, and I do believe that there's some of that vindictiveness with him, which is like, okay, all you've talked about is me not trading back. Well, here's this. But I also thought the moves made plenty of sense. I don't think he did it just to did it, just to do it. I think both moves, the one in the first round and the one in the second round, he still landed with Ojolari. I thought were brilliant traits, and they they set them up for future success. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Cool. Um, So that's the Giants. We got to talk about your New York Jets, man. They made 10 picks in this draft. I got to be honest, man. I am giddy about this draft. You should be. I really am. For them to go out and get – I mean, we knew knew their, their first pick just to run through it. Uh, we knew that was coming from, I mean, shit, what, two months ago? Yeah, at least. Um, but then, you know, look moving forward, for them to trade up and get, and, and everybody's saying, oh, he might have been available at 23. Again, back to my adage, if it's your guy, go get him. They get mm-hmm. the offensive lineman out of USC, and I am huge on that, building up the offensive line, doing what you didn't do for Sam Darnold throughout the first four rounds of this entire draft and just giving Wilson all the weapons in the world. And for all those people, I just want to say this as a little caveat, shitting shitting on and saying, oh, the Jets, same old regime, fucking Zach Wilson's going to have the same shit happen to him that happened to Darnold. Fuck off. Let's give Joe Douglas and let's give Robert Sala a little bit of a chance here because, to be honest with you, I think the last bad move that the Jets made was hiring Adam Gase. And if you don't remember, that was made by Mike McCagnan. <laughs> who was fired yes. subsequently like two weeks later exactly so man. joe douglas doesn't have any stains on his record in my book so far I, i'm meeting you right there i i thought what the jets did after taking wilson at two which we knew was going to happen taking elijah vera tucker moving up to get him to make sure they got him i know he's a guard but you got becton and now vera tucker 
that should be the cornerstone of your left side, the blind side of the offensive line for the next eight to 10 years. You take Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss in your third round, oh. a top wide receiver who a lot of people had in the first round. Extremely you take Michael giddy. Carter, one of friend, well, one of your two Michael Carters that Frenchie had, the running back out of UNC, who a lot of people love. Draws it's Frenchie's to, top five. Yeah, draw, draws comps to Clyde Edwards Hilaire, draws comps to Darren Sproles. That's what you're giving your new number two overall quarterback. I, I don't know how you can't not love this. Yeah, I, I think that running back room is going to be strong. It got a lot stronger with, with Carter. And, and Moore is just like, he's honestly a Julian Edelman who has just retired with more speed. Mm-hmm. And I, I am so high on that pick. Uh, and he's got weapons galore now with Corey Davis being your possession wide receiver and Denzel Mims being able to stretch the field, be somewhat of a, Oh, Nick's beat Spurs. That was that alert, um, which is great. Um, Denzel Mims being that guy that can stretch the field, Deshaun Jackson type player. I mean, this offense is set up for success and most importantly, the offensive line got better with Frenchie's number one interior lineman. Absolutely, man. You, you can't help but be ecstatic about this. And then, Continuing, you go in the fifth round, you have three picks. You take a linebacker, Jamie and Sherwood, out of Alabama. You take a corner, Michael Carter the second out of Duke. It's funny how the two at rival schools. And then Jason Pinnock, a cornerback out of Pitt. So you go secondary twice and a linebacker. And you listen, if good it, about those moves. looking past the third round and sometimes the fourth round, if one out of three of those guys hit, I'm happy. Absolutely, dude. And, and here's the thing, too, about that is – if you're going to take fifth round picks, I, I, a couple of these guys were graded to be third or fourth round picks. So you have a higher percentage of them being good than them being projected as reaches in like the sixth or seventh round or God forbid, even undrafted guys. Absolutely. And I really do appreciate the Jets trading up to get that player. Some people don't, but you know what? They have so much draft capital over the next three years. You might as well use some of it to get a guy that's probably going to be on this roster for the next five to six. Why would you not? Absolutely. I, so listen, if I were to give the Jets a grade, I'd probably give it an A minus A. I mean, I'm not. I know I'm not the pro here, but I thought they did a great job. I thought the Jets and Giants both did a tremendous job. I, I think both fan bases and both of us should be very, very happy with what our teams did. Absolutely, man. Any big surprises? Mo- oh sorry. yeah, I was just going to say, what moves for you in the first round kind of shocked you? I mean, obviously, the trade you had going going to the the Cowboys and the Eagles, where you, I mean, it's you know the rivalries aren't as big in any sports where you say, oh, this team wouldn't trade with this one. So, but I, I still didn't expect that trade to happen. I thought the Cowboys would try and reach at ten for a guy, but I, I was surprised by that. What about you? I was definitely surprised by that. I think anytime division rivals make a move, especially two picks apart, that's a huge deal. Um, I was very surprised with the Raiders taking Alex Leatherwood. I, I mean, this is a guy that Frenchie had a second or third round, second or third round grade on. I, I can't remember which, but he was not nearly highly as thought of as the Raiders took him. And I don't know if this is the Raiders trying to be smart and outwit anybody, but they did this a few years ago, drafting Clellan Farrell, number four overall. And I just thought this was another one of, you know, this is something that you were going to look back on and be like, really? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And then another surprising one was obviously the Packers going cornerback. 
you would think we're going to talk about the, the Aaron Rodgers saga. You would think as as kind of a an olive branch, or to at least start the process of an olive branch, they might go offensive weapon just to try and appease him even a little bit. I, they just won't do it. I think they're, at this point they're so spiteful that they just refuse. Yeah, Dave, let's take a page out of Dave Gettleman's book. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're spiting an all-time great, and that's for damn sure. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of that, let's jump into the Rodgers conversation because I think that's really all we have to talk about aside from the schedule releasing um, in the NFL. So on draft day, what, maybe four or five hours before it, the news broke. Clearly it was uh, designed that way that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, doesn't want to play there anymore, and his choice teams are the San Francisco 49ers, which seems very unrealistic now with them taking um, Trey Lance, and the Denver Broncos, which seems much more realistic. Um, How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts? And finally, will he be in Den- uh, Excuse me, will he be in Green Bay uh, for the 2021-2022 season? I don't think he will be. Wow. Um, I don't. I, I Everything that has come out in the recent days uh, has signified that he is more than happy with sitting out and not being there. And the Packers pretty much have to trade him, and rightfully so, for them deciding to not only draft Jordan Love, but trade up to get him last year and continue to not give him weapons other than Devontae Adams, whom they drafted about six years ago. So I don't think he's there. Uh, best fit for me is is Denver. Why don't you just do what you did with Peyton Manning eight years ago, nine years ago, and lay out the red carpet for him and give him full autonomy and know that you're going to get two to three great years still of him. Uh, That team, especially the defense, is pretty good. The offense is good enough, and you let him play on the West Coast. Uh, Here's one for you before I get your takes. What about a Russell Wilson for Aaron Rodgers straight-up trade? Both guys seem unhappy where they currently are. Why don't you just swap them? I don't think Russell Wilson would go for that. Not that I don't think either of them either of them have no trade clauses, so it wouldn't matter. But I think Russell Wilson wants to go to a bigger market. But I do like the idea. Yeah, I, I just feel like that's kind of like a fun one. It's like, oh, both disgruntled quarterbacks who aren't in trouble, like Deshaun Watson. <laughs> just yeah, just just move them, you know, for each other. I will say this before before I move on and give you my opinion. For the people that say they don't give Aaron Rodgers weapons and, and that stuff, I mean, listen, first of all, they had one of the most potent offenses in the league, and obviously that has a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers, but he does have weapons. Robert Tanyan Jr. is a good tight end. Obviously, Devontae Adams is probably a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Aaron Jones is a very, very good running back in the backfield, and Pro Football Focus always ranks him in the top three for offensive line, and they spend a shit ton of money on it. So it's like, I think it's more he just wants out of Green Bay and he's over it, but he's not trying to be a dick about it because he's for some reason concerned about his legacy because, I mean, they're a top five team in the NFL. They're a top five team in the NFL because of because of him. And, and I think to him, he's just like, listen, I've given you all you could possibly ask for and more. And this is how you reward me in the twilight of my career when you should be doing nothing but adding teams. And we, like, we look at the Giants, right? What, what's their motive to add 
skill position players right now. Well, it's to make sure Daniel Jones in that crucial year three is good. What are the Jets doing? Well, they want to make sure Zach Wilson doesn't have to deal with the same fate that Sam Darnold did. Meanwhile, the Green Bay Packers are kind of just assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to make everybody around him so much better. I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams, but I'm not a thousand percent sure what those guys are without Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think the offensive line is nearly as good as pro football focus grades them because Aaron Rodgers is hypermobile in the pocket and escapes a lot of sacks. So I, I think to him is he's saying, I don't want to play in the small market anymore. I don't want to deal with a team that doesn't support me the way that it should. And I make things happen when you make things harder on me. So that's why I feel like he's played his last game as a Packer. I agree with you. And I think he'll be out of there as well, given what's gone on in the past few weeks. I think the Jeopardy thing is stupid, but me too. I mean, my only point was let's not sit here and say that the Packers are, are, uh, get, let's take the off the field um, Deshaun Watson things out of it. Let's not say that the Packers are the Houston Texans here. Fair. That's all I'm saying. Are you ready to move on to some NBA or you want to talk about the schedule? I was just going to say before we move into the schedule, where do you have them going? Oh, Denver. I mean, yeah. it's it's it seems like unless there's a sleeper team that you and I aren't just you know pulling out of the air off the top of our heads. I mean, maybe Oakland, but. Um, Vegas now. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas, excuse me. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe Washington. But uh, aside from that, I think the 49ers are all but eliminated. Oh, yeah, especially after drafting Lance. Because that's the thing about the Packers, right? They don't need a quarterback. No, they don't because they have Jordan Loves. And, and the thing is, you got to shit or get off the pot with Jordan Love because the NFL isn't like it used to be where when Aaron Rodgers was drafted and they had Brett Favre and he dicked him around five different times. Aaron Rodgers was willing to sit and wait his turn. It's it's a league where if your quarterback doesn't show his worth in the first three years, he ends up being Sam Darnold. Now, Tom, I don't want to be disrespectful here. You know who the Packers just signed yesterday. They signed Blake Bortles. So obviously everything's fine at Green Bay. My bad. Blake Bortles, awesome guy. He said if he wasn't, I remember this quote, I think it was from part of my take. He said if he wasn't an NFL quarterback, he'd be working construction and ripping darts. That's my idol. <laughs> it's a guy yeah, who's and the, and, trying to quit Jaguar smoking and whatnot. Tar- yeah, and the Jaguars signed team Tim Tebow to play tight end. So, so we we've had a hell of a week there. Um, quick schedule rundown. We're not going to do the whole thing, but we have our first seventeen game schedule. And quick for the Jets at Panthers versus Pats at Broncos, Titans, Falcons in London. Congratulations, you get to wake up and watch an NFL game there. Mm. Bye week. Pats, Bengals, Colts, Bills, Dolphins, Texans, Eagles for the NFC East game. Saints, Dolphins, Jags, Bucks, Bills. What stands out to you? Um, I think this team should be halfway decent. I think they should win six games. I, I think they should win eight. Mm. I'm gonna, I'll meet you in the middle at seven because there's an extra game. Okay. I just feel like, I mean, that week one is something, right? That's fun. I mean, it feels like it always lines up that way. You trade a guy to a team, and then you play him the first week. I kind of wish this this was like week four or five where both quarterbacks kind of got their footing in their new place, but I agree with you. It always seems to be like week one or two, right? Like last year was Brady against Breeze. Yep. Absolutely. And I kind of wish it was at the Meadowlands because I would love to go to that game. 
I don't know if you know my stance on NFL games. I am vaccinated, but I will only go to a game until the end of October, and then I'd rather sit on my couch and watch all the games under a blanket. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't disagree with that. Uh, At least being a, where I am. Well, you know, and, and once again, having that's where I've been spending my life for the last up until five months ago. It's a uh, it's a very fair proposition. It's not Once even you get fun. Into November it sucks. It's yeah, and you're missing fun. all the other games. Exactly. Games. I'm gonna go to a football game to sit uh, to freeze and sit on my phone the whole time. No, thank you. Oh, especially if it's one of those like twenty-seven nothing into the first half. So it's like I really woke up at six for this on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the tailgating, and you're drunk and cold. Ugh. All right, man. You ready to uh, go over the Giants' schedule real quick? Yeah, Giants will open at home against the Broncos, which is interesting that hmm. it's not a Cowboys I was game. Say. I feel like that's pretty much every year. And then they're at Washington on a Thursday night game. I should say that the Jets, they will play that London game, and then they have one Thursday night game at Indy. Um, other than that, the Giants have no Sunday night games, but they have a Thursday night game week two against Washington. Uh, and then two Monday night games, both on the road, at Kansas City and at Tampa four months ap- or four weeks apart. Um week eight and week 11 but it's broncos washington uh home against atlanta at new orleans at dallas versus the rams versus panthers at chiefs as i mentioned versus the raiders by at bucks as i mentioned home versus philly at miami for their afc's game at the chargers versus dallas at eagles at bears and versus washington to finish up the year how do you see that schedule shaping up for the giants what's the record looking like for you I don't think Danny Dimes is your guy, bro. I, I think you guys are gonna I win. I know you don't. I think you guys are gonna win like four games this year. Four games? Yeah. I think it's gonna really? be an absolute shit show. Four and thirteen? Yeah. I think you guys are gonna have a top pick and you're gonna go out and get your quarterback of the future. We don't know who that is yet. But I I, I think you guys are not gonna be good this year. And you're not trolling, you seriously? No, 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 no. I think Danny Dimes, listen, a team goes as the quarterback does at the end of the day, and I got to be honest, I think Danny Dimes sucks. Okay. Prove me wrong, I'd love to have him do it, but I just do not think he's your guy. Well, listen, man, this is the year to do it, because as we've talked about, they've surrounded him with weapons, we've recapped their draft, they've given him more weapons, they think their offensive line is good. And uh, we're going to see what he's made of in this crucial year three that the Jets didn't allow really Darnold to do. So we're going to find out. I have the Giants going nine and eight. Ooh. Okay. I, I really was encouraged with the way they finished up last year. They've added to their offense. They've also added to their defense. I think their coaching is strong. I think their first year in an actual mini camp, training camp, rookie camp, in person is going to do them wonders. Joe Judge seems to have a good pulse of this team. I like the trend in which they're they're going. So I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say nine and eight, and that might get them a wild card because I, I'm, I'm going to pick Dallas to win this division just straight up by default. But I think the Giants are going to be in the mix. Okay, a little more optimistic as expected of, of a fan of the actual team. I mean, that's <laughs> quite fair. Um, yep. you ready to talk some NBA? We need to do it, man. Absolutely. All right, Sean, I know you wrote down in your notes here, but I've been thinking about it, and I really want to do a little exercise with you. We're not going to talk about the teams that are out of the playoff race, and for once, I could talk about my Knicks because they are in the playoff race. Attaboy. Um, They are currently ranked at the sixth seed. We'll see what that win does for them after uh, 
after beating San Antonio down. Oh, today. they got the win. There you go. Yep, That's a big they comeback did. win. Um, so the exercise I want to do is basically I want to go over Eastern Conference and Western Conference. I'm going to run you down 10 through 1, the teams. Mm. And I want you to, and obviously I will too, I want you to give me your legitimate contenders now no no long shots here no i want to look smarter than the other guy Uh, (laughs) you have to be able to actually say you you know i wouldn't be surprised if this team won the title for e for both the western conference and the eastern conference and then at the end we'll we'll give our favorites for each for each conference and we're going to do some all nba too right We'll do all NBA. We'll do MVP race at the end. Absolutely, the season's going to wrap up soon, so we'll have to go over that. Um, I don't have my list for you, but you know I'm an NBA head, so I can throw off some names at the off the top of my head. Um, oh sure. Let's start off in the conference that we both have our teams in, and that is the Eastern Conference. So I'm going to give you current standings as currently constituted. Um, I'm going to give you. 10 through 1, okay? Let's do it. You have the, at number 10, you have the Washington Wizards. Number 9, you have the (laughs) Indiana Pacers. Number 8, you have the Charlotte Hornets. Number 7, you have the disappointing Boston Celtics. At number 6, drum roll please, as of right now, you have the New York Knicks. Number 5, you have the Miami Heat. Number 4, you have the surprise Atlanta Hawks. Number three, you have the Milwaukee Bucks. Number two, you have your Brooklyn Nets. And number one, you have the team that I picked to finish number one. No big deal. The Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Your playing game right now would be Celtics versus Wizards, Hornets versus Pacers. The winner of those two games would move on to play each other. I don't even know how that shit works, but whatever. I think both of them make it. That would be seven and eight. Really? Is that how it works? Okay, whatever. We're going to find out when that happens. Um, I don't think either of us having have the uh, seven, eight, nine, ten as a legitimate play as a legitimate championship contender. No. All right. So we're going to work our way down from six then, since you said no, and give me your legitimate contenders out of the Knicks, Heat, Hawks, Bucks, Nets, Sixers. Sixers, Nets, Bucks. Sixers, Nets, Bucks. Okay. I'm in agreement with you there, and I will throw in one more team, that being the Miami Heat. Sure. And they're, they're getting a lot of traction because they've been playing very well lately and they seem healthy. Yeah. And and Tyler Hero in the playoffs, shown last year as a different player. I think he can get 30 in a playoff game and get hot. And Jimmy Butler is playing absolutely out of his mind. I think he could give. I think that team, the way it is, could give the Bucks fits. I think it could give the Nets fits because the Nets don't have a big man to protect the rim. The only team I think they'd have a tough time getting through is the 76ers. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody wants to play them because, in traditional Miami fashion, they are peaking as the regular season ends and. They're one of the hottest teams, no pun intended, going into the into the playoffs. So we have to deal with that. And I still don't think they have what it takes. And I need to see a couple of those guys do it again after last year. But one guy I don't have to question is Jimmy Butler, who when he's on the floor, 
and and there's clutch moments and clutch games. I don't know if there's many other guys in the league that you'd rather have other than him. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I just have to throw them in because again, we're we're doing a little exercise here. I wouldn't. I think they're a title contender. I, I wouldn't be shocked. It wouldn't be like uh, in 1999 when the Knicks somehow made it to the finals. No, we're not going to have that. And let's keep in mind the Celtics lost Jalen Brown for the season with yeah. a wrist injury. So they're they're sinking and they're probably not long. I, would be, I wouldn't be shocked if they won their play-in game. But if they do, then they're a first-round exit pretty easily again i say the sixers nets and bucks is who we've been talking about i mean let's look at the standings the sixers they're losing tonight i believe they did end up losing you can check that for me if that is the, if that is the case they're only one game ahead of the nets now they do have the tiebreaker over the nets as do the bucks so the nets are in that sweet spot where they're a game sixers and a lost. Half. okay so the nets are now a game behind philly the nets have two to play and then the Bucks are now two and a half behind Philly, uh, unless they play tonight. But basically, as as long as the Nets beat the Bulls and the Cavs in their next two, they have number two secured, which is very important to make sure that they don't play a very frisky sixth seed, which could be either your New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, or the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think anybody in that three seed wants to play either of those teams. So it behooves the Nets to make sure they stay at number two. And James Harden's back. Yes, he is. He played great last night, even looking a little slower than usual, but he's just a hooper. But, yeah, I agree with you. You don't want to play that sixth seed. Um, even if even if they, they do, which they will win that series as the two seed, any of them, you just don't want to exert that much energy in the first round. You really don't. And we've seen before where, you know, there have been teams that have played a pretty exhausting first round series and then wiped the floor in round two I, I remember that Cavs team a couple of years ago I think they played the Pacers and it went seven and then they swept the Raptors or something and I think the Celtics in 08 had a seven game series with just about anybody and won a title but I certainly don't want to go that route if I'm the Sixers or my Brooklyn Nets so finish in the top two and you'll have a much easier opponent with the seven seed couldn't agree with you more. All right, who is your Eastern Conference champion? Let's. I'm. St- let's, I'm staying with my Nets. Yeah, I hear you. I'm gonna go with your with my Philadelphia 76ers. I'm rooting heavy against the Nets, as you know, you're my enemy. Um, yes. I I just think Doc Rivers, after a few years, wears on a team, but in the first year, I think he'll be great. He already has been great for that team. He's been great for Tobias Harris. He's been great for Joel Embiid. Uh, I don't think the Nets – I think Embiid could have 40 against the Nets in, in a couple playoff games. I don't think they have anybody close to stopping him. And No, they don't. Listen, I need Kevin Durant. I need to see him. I mean, Harden, a little bit of a fluky injury. The guy is the most durable player um, aside from Giannis in the league and Jokic, I guess. Um but he's just incredibly durable. I'm not worried about that, and I'm not worried about him wearing down this year because he's got other guys. But I need Durant to be able to stay healthy for for all the rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, and he's looked amazing in the games he's been playing. Since oh, he's, he's been back for good. I mean, he's. I got nothing but positive words to say about Kevin Durant, but I just need to see him be able to string it together and stay healthy when it intensifies and you start playing games that are closer together. And I just think the Sixers are going to be able to beat up on him and they get him in seven and go to the finals. 
Well, that's the matchup everybody's been looking for, and a lot of people have been sleeping on Milwaukee. Did you take – I, I, I want to pour out some champagne for your Knicks in a second, but we haven't talked since they played two, two games in a row last week. Did you take anything from Milwaukee beating the Nets two in a row? Both um, games in Milwaukee? Not really. I think when the Nets get their full roster figured out, I mean, even though the big three has barely played together, they will in the playoffs. I think that they just have too much offensive firepower. When you're, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're, when you don't have any definitive matchup problems aside from Giannis and people have seemed to be able to stop him in the playoffs and you don't have that matchup like you do Embiid with the Sixers who can just dominate, um, you line up Giannis against KD. That's an even matchup. Kyrie against Drew Holiday. Give me Kyrie. And then your third player being Chris Middleton against um, another MVP in James Harden. And you could obviously flip Kyrie or Harden. Um, give me the Nets. Yeah, I think that seems to be the prevailing opinion because, I mean, both games were on the road. Milwaukee kind of had everything go, and they won the first game by three. They pulled away late in the fourth and the second game, but neither was with Harden, and I think that's just the caveat with the Nets, right? Is like, I can't judge anything they do until they're fully healthy, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. You ready to move on to the Western Conference? Just quick second. Tell me your opinion on your Knicks. They clinched their playoff spot. Did you celebrate? Did you have a glass? What'd you do? They're in, man. And what is your realistic hope for seeding now because I know it's very fluid in these last few days. Uh, just a little fist bump uh, and a smile. Uh, first playoff appearance since, what, 2013? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and if you told me at the beginning of the season that the Knicks were going to be a guaranteed, they, they, they were so good that they were even going to skip the play-in game, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. So you got to have a little perspective on that. You can't be expecting too much. You can't expect them to to win a championship or anything like that. So my realistic expectation when they move on to the first round um, seeding, I mean, you're right, it is very fluid, although the Hawks look to have taken, um, I think they'll have a one-game lead on the Knicks right now, so they may have that four seed locked up. The Knicks may end up in a five seed, although the Heat won tonight. Um, I mean, look, if they can if they can make a little noise in the first round and win a few games, I'll be happy with it. If they win a first round series, I'll be over the moon. But I just expect them to do exactly what they've been doing, playing hard and push push any team to a final game. I love that. And I think they will and I think they're gonna make whomever they play really sweat. Yeah, nobody wants you don't want to play the Knicks in the playoffs because you're gonna have to work. Oh, my God, dude. That game they had against the Clippers, and then they almost beat the Lakers the other night. I mean, you you can't feel better about where they are than what they've done. Not at all. And, you know, a a 2015-whatever Knicks fan, even myself, would be like, oh, we had a great year. We're going to go out. Even though there isn't great free agents, we're going to go out and get the best free agent. I'm not even thinking about that right now. You know, I I want a solid point guard. That's all I want. I want I want them to go out and even get Alonzo Ball, a guy who can play without the ball. You know I still own his stock. I just want somebody that makes this team a little bit better and keeps the culture there. There's some point guards available. Him, probably Lowry. Uh, there, there's guys. There's guys to be had. But we'll we'll save that conversation for another time. Why don't you lead us off with the West? Because I know uh, you're dying to talk about it, and we need to move on. Yes, the West. A little bit more interesting, a little more variance. Number 10, um, 
Let me see the records. Yeah, it looks like the San Antonio Spurs somehow are going to wrap up number 10. Number 9, Memphis Grizzlies. Number 8, the fun Golden State Warriors. Number 7, the Los Angeles Lakers. 6, the Dallas Mavericks. 5, the Trailblazers. 4, the Nuggets. 3, the Clippers. 2, the Suns. And coming in at number one at 50 and 20, great year for the Utah Jazz. And let me just remind everybody, this is as of now, this shit could change. Um, It's pretty fluid, especially in the five and the six matchups. So it could change tomorrow um, for some of these seeds. Um, Now, when we talked about this on the Eastern Conference, we went six down. We really can't do that here. Um, Give me your contenders coming out of the Western Conference. I mean, I'm staring at Lakers there at number seven. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> they're a seven. They're a seven seed. That's probably a one or a two. The best seed. Best healthy. seven seed ever. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm just going to stare at the Warriors. Not that they're a legitimate threat, but just because of Steph. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm very interested by the Utah Jazz. Everybody seems to write them off and not believe in them, and I'm one of them. I don't know if you are still, but. I, I, I kind of still need to see them in action, but they've been so dominant. The other two teams to me are the Suns and the Clippers. The Suns have had this renaissance season. Chris Paul is playing at an all-time level uh, for where he is in his career. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton have been great. And then the Clippers, you know, this is a team last year that had one of the biggest choke jobs. Are they, are they prepared to make a run here? Uh, those are the teams I'm staring at. How about you? Complete agreement. I, I really want to throw the Nuggets in there just because of how well Jokic is playing as well Even as... Even without Murray? Listen, if, if Michael Porter Jr. can keep playing the way he's playing and Aaron Gordon can pick it up a little bit, I think they can play with anybody. But I'm still... I'm not going to put them in there. For me, it's the contenders out of the West. It's only three, really, for me. It's the Phoenix Suns, it's the LA Clippers, and it's the Los Angeles Lakers. So you're not even counting the Jazz, huh? You're another one of them that just like, what, no. what is it about them that makes it to you where you're just like, I can't look at you that way? Well, for me, it's the fact that you can't, because you have to look at the other contenders, right? The, sure. the Let's just say the Lakers. They're going to play the Lakers eventually. Anthony Davis, if he's healthy, is going to abuse Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert, as well as LeBron. <laughs> And Rudy Gobert kind of makes that team go. I understand it's Mitchell, and I understand it's Conley, and Joe Ingles is in there, and Jordan Clarkson's almost a shoe-in for sixth man of the year. Um, my vote is for Quickly, but um, I, <laughs> or D. Rose, one or the other. Um, sure. One of your Knicks guys has to get that award. Yes, um, but I, I just I don't think Gobert is a winning time player, and I don't know if Mitchell's ready. To put that team on his back. I don't think he's a... I love him. I think he's a great player. But I don't think he's a good enough player to lead a team to a championship right now. And that's why the Jazz have not made my list. And they will not be on my list. I'm not grilling you at all. I just wanted to hear your opinion. Because almost nobody has them as the legitimate threat. And everybody kind of regards them as that like 2015 Atlanta Hawks team that was a first-round seed where it's like, oh, okay, that's cute. Yeah, Atlanta Hawks or some of those early too. Suns teams where it's like, I don't think they'll ever win a title, except for maybe what, maybe, what was it, 06? 06. 
Yeah. They, they could have won the title had they not had that big fight with uh, San Antonio where everybody left the bench. Aside from that, it was like, yeah, the Suns are cute, but these other teams are better, San Antonio and then a few others. I mean, I think it just goes into expectations where it's like, obviously the Lakers are the defending champs, and the reason they are in the current seating they're in is because they've been decimated with injuries, which was predictable based off of the quick turnaround from last year's finals into this season. Yeah, he have suffered too. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got the Clippers, who were one of the big disappointments last year, but I think a lot of people are starting to understand that the bubble and the mental health stuff and the ramping up might have had a little bit more to do with their failures than was originally thought of, where we just kind of were reacting in time. And now we're kind of like, oh, yeah, that that might make sense. You still got Paul George and Kawhi and a nice supporting cast. That team should be better. And you got those Chris Paul sons. You can't discount Chris Paul. So no. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think Utah, but I think Utah, dude, truthfully, is in a great spot because no one's giving them credit and no one's picking them, even as they're going to coast to that number one seed, probably. And that might be a good spot for them. It might be. Again, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, and and there's just better teams out there. As you talk about the Clippers, I mean, they're a completely different team from last year. There's they're about to break a record for three-point percentage. There's, as a team, they're shooting 42% from three. Mm. I mean, they've got four or five players on their team that shoot above 40%. It's insane, and Kawhi is playing incredible, as is poor yeah. George. The only thing yeah. is, the Clippers, uh, Kawhi is going to be there. You know how he is in the playoffs. He turns into a robot, but the Clippers are going to go as Paul George does. Right, Kawhi we'll see. We'll have that. to see if he can live up to his his self proclaimed um, nickname that isn't really true. Playoff P. Yeah, Kawhi needs him as that true number number two on his team, and if he's not up for the task, uh, they're they're going to be upset pretty quick. So I can't wait for the play in. I can't believe it's next week already. I can't believe the playoffs start a week from Saturday. It's uh, it's going to be fun, man. We're we're here. We're here. If we're making up nicknames that are just completely unrealistic, just call me Scratch Tom because now I'm a scratch golfer. Paul George plays Whoa. well in the playoffs, and I'm a scratch golfer now, so just call me Scratch. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I'm out here shooting par every time. Um, <laughs> there you go. You ready to go over maybe top three top three MVP candidates, and we'll jump into our All-NBA teams, and, and then we'll talk some MLB? Yeah, I'm happy to do it. You want to lead us off with your uh, three NBA guy, or uh, MVP guys and who you think is going to end up taking it? Sure, I'll give you four. Julius Randle's number four for me. I think he's been incredible for the Knicks, and i got to throw a Knicks guy in there. That's why I went four. Uh, <laughs> number three for me has to be Chris Paul. Yep. I think he has to be mentioned. Basically taking aside from him and a few other ancillary pieces – the Suns from being, you know, uh, uh, the darling of the bubble last year, not even making the playoffs to a two seed. He's been incredible. At number two for me, it's Steph Curry. This team, honestly, dude, I think you or I could come off the bench and average four points a game for this team. They are straight doo doo. Um, and, and the They're fact 37 that, and 33. I they might know. have 12 wins without Steph. It's fucking insane. I mean,. Just look at everything that's happened to them this year, dating back to 
like Clay Thompson tearing his Achilles after coming off of an ACL. You have Draymond Green taking seven steps back. I hope he doesn't hear that because if he does, he'll find me on social media and absolutely flame me. And then you oh, have he's going for you. And then you have James Wiseman, who clearly doesn't. I mean, maybe he'll be a good player, but he's clearly not ready. So Steph Curry is just fucking putting this team on his back. And but also, it's not like he's a Russell Westbrook putting this team on his back. He's playing some of the most efficient basketball his career of his career with numbers raised. It's his, it's his renaissance. It's his remember me. It's his next chapter in an in an incredible book. I mean, he's he's reminding us why we fell in love with him a couple years ago. He he's incredible. He's yeah. he does things we've never seen done before. And I hate romanticizing over players because it's so wishy washy and it's so annoying. Not here. But if you if you don't do that for Steph, I'm sorry. You just don't know the league or you don't have an appreciation for great players. You're absolutely right, but my my number one guy is Jokic, and that's one, due to availability. I believe he's played every single game. Two, he's having an incredible year. And number three, the thing that really won it for me was when you saw that Jamal Murray injury come across your ticker or you saw it on Instagram, him going down, and you knew it was an ACL, even I said, "Oh man, you know that I didn't sucks." See it on Instagram. Well, yeah, you need to. We need to boost that social media. I sent you something on Instagram, a direct message, because Zach yeah. Wilson was wearing a um, a ring on his index finger, and I said, "I think I'm out on him." Um, but <laughs> everybody has different styles. I'm older. I'm trying to be more accepting. I'll I'll get over <laughs> it. But men, please do not wear rings unless it's a wedding band. Please, I'm begging you. Yeah. Um it's just not a good look. Uh, that's not no. even opinion. That's like a fact. It's a fact. With that being said, uh, back to back to the Joker. I think uh, he's just had an incredible year. No, he has, and and that's not. You don't need any crazy stats or anything to like wow me with. The any fact that, that the Nuggets have have not gotten any worse, and they've gotten slightly better after Murray has gone out. That's the MVP right there for me. He's the MVP for me, too. Um, so we're in agreement there. I guess I'll go four um, because you did. I'm actually going to bump your boy Julius Randle up. I have him at number three. Ooh, my I guy. have fucking no idea where this Knicks team would be without him. And and I will tell you this. Early on, I, I thought he was just playing good basketball and the team was rallying around him and they were winning some games. I've been watching them. I mean, they had that nine-game winning streak, and I think they won 12 of 13. And then they won that game convincingly against the Clippers. And he didn't have a great game, but he showed up late, and he did a lot of intangible things like rebound and play defense when he wasn't making shots. Anyway, when I look at MVPs, I'm like, where would your team be without you? Yeah, this Knicks team isn't anywhere without Julius Randle and and Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett's you know, development, none of D-Rose. those happen. And D wrote D Rose's, you know, production as, as a, as a six man. And none of those things happen if Julius Randall isn't there. So he's number three for me. Chris Paul is number two. Um, he, he has just been, we saw him do it in Oklahoma city last year. Just that fact that that team wasn't very good. Well, this son's team's incredible and he's maximizing Devin Booker's ultimate capacity. And like I said, Jokic, he's number one, number four for me, uh, it, it is Steph and I, Steph and Randall. I kind of struggle with just the Knicks are a little bit better than what the than what the Warriors are. 
but Steph is bringing us bringing us back to three, four years ago, and it's a beautiful thing to see. So I got I got Steph four, I got Randall three, I got Paul two, and then I got uh, Joker number one. I like that, man. I like that lineup as well. We're both agreeing on who our number one guy is, and I, I definitely think he's going to win it this year. And to be honest, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm somewhat of a kingmaker. Otani is the MVP in baseball right now. And, oh, it's not close. And and the Joker is the MVP in basketball, and I pick them both a year early to win MVP. I, I don't know. Maybe I should do this. You know, maybe I should get paid a little bit more to do this. Yeah, didn't you cash those in? When are you reaping some of those benefits? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It'll be coming someday. Our day is soon. <laughs> right now, cashing go. in is all. I just want my cash back. <laughs> I, just, I just want to get everything back. Yeah. All right, let's talk all NBA. We'll go first, second, and third teams. Let's lead us off with your first. My first team all NBA is, and from the guards, it is Steph Curry and CP3. Forwards, I have Julius Irving Randall. No, you don't. Yeah, absolutely, I you do. You have him at number one. Wow. Okay. I mean, the way I see it is, if you're in the if you're in a top five MVP race, you got to make first team All NBA. That's how I feel about it. Okay. Okay. And then I have. Let's see. Who do I have? I have Jokic at my center, and then my other forward. Who did I have? I'm trying to think. I had it written down somewhere. Um, I guess I would put. I guess I would have to put uh, Luca in there. Mm. Okay, so this is where we disagree a little bit. I have Chris Paul and Steph too. I put Luca at the three. I have Giannis at the four and Jokic at the five. Yeah, you're right. Let me take out. Let me take out Luca. Move him to second team All NBA and put Giannis in there because the best ability is uh, best ability is availability. Luca's missed time and he came in at the beginning of the year fat. I don't want to hear. That it was, uh, it was because he wasn't ready for the season. I yeah, understand that. Yeah, but look that, at but... where that team is right now in that loaded West. I mean, right now they're not even playing a playing game, and that's all because of him. No, that's true. But forty guess and what? thirty, man. Guess who else isn't playing a playing game, and it's all because of him. Well, right now the Knicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I got Randall somewhere. <laughs> hey, listen. Second team All NBA. So, so you have again. I have Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Luka, Giannis, and Jokic. Yeah, that's a good lineup. For my second team, I have Dame Time, Dame Lillard. Mm -hmm. I have Devin Booker. I have... I'm trying to think of my other... Oh, I have... Excuse me, no. Devin Booker's on my third team All-NBA. I have Kawhi tucked in there. I have Paul George. I have Joel Embiid. And that was all of them, right? I think you mentioned four. So I have Donovan. I have Donovan Mitchell, Devin Oof. Booker, Paul George, LeBron, and Joe Ellen. Yeah, that's who I missed. I had LeBron in there as well, even though he missed yeah. time. I still think he earns a second team All NBA. I don't think there's an NBA season if Le- unless LeBron doesn't play at all, he's got to make the first two teams. And it was weird for me to take Paul George over Kawhi because obviously Kawhi is the better player, but. If you want to just look at facts, Paul George has played a lot more games than Kawhi, and he's had a. We'll talk about him in the playoffs because that's where he's really judged. But in the regular season, he's a hell of a player, and he's had a great year. Yeah, definitely. I just had and to I stick like Kawhi Mitchell in there because he's electric. Because they they're both parts of you know the top two seeds in the West. Who's your third? So for third team, I have Lillard. Oh, Lillard's I have Harden. Hmm. 
I have Zion, Julius Randle, and Rudy Gobert. I'm offended at how low Julius Randle is, but everybody is a little bit different. Um, I'm not putting him over LeBron or Giannis. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I'm going to put him over LeBron. Just sometimes the best avail- ability is availability. Um, I know LeBron's in year 100, but hey. Your fandom's to- coming out, Tom. Your it's fandom's a- coming out. <laughs> your fandom's you showing. You're being a you're- homer. You're putting him over LeBron or Giannis. Just saying. No, I put Giannis in there. I basically took him over Luka. Who I had on my second team All NBA, I think. I don't you know. Love I'm all Luka, over the place. So that goes to show how much you love Julius. Well, I, I just think he's had such a great fucking year. That's yes. all. I mean, yes. for me, my third team All NBA, I have Gobert at center, um, and then I have Donovan Mitchell in there. I have. I'm trying to think off the top of my head because I don't have it written down. Who else did you have? Just give me some names. So I threw. I Lillard. have Harden in there. I have Harden I'm, in there. Yeah, I, I put Harden because there's no one way of the you Nets have... has to make it. Yeah, exactly. And and as much as because Kyrie's had an unbelievable year, but he hasn't played. And when James Harden's played, this team doesn't fucking lose. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put KD in there too because he statistically, even though he's had a lot of missed time, is having one of the best years of his career, which is crazy to say. But I had to throw Zion in there, and I also had to put Randall in there. I mean, look at what he's done for the Knicks. There's no way I can't put him as one of my top three teams. And then, like I said, I have to go bear if I. Yeah, I would I would definitely put Giannis in there as well. And then for my for my last forward, I guess I would put I would probably I would you know what? I would put Jimmy Butler in there. Okay. He's been To incredible. me he's just missed too much time and the team's still not it's still not great. Like I can't justify him over one of the Nets and I can't put him over any of, you know, I can't put him over your boy Julius Randle and I don't know. I just look at the rest of this team. I'm like, how do I take some of these top guys from the West off? It was hard for me to keep Kawhi off, and it was hard for me to put AD off. I'm just like, these guys lost too much time. Same with Durant and same with Kyrie. I'm just like, well, one of the Nets have to make it, and who's been the most valuable when he's played, and it's been hard. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that about wraps up the NBA season for us until we get into playoffs. Uh, Weird year, a lot of injuries, but it was definitely fun. It's been fun, man. I just can't wait to talk play-in next week, and then the playoffs officially start on uh, a week from Saturday. So I'm excited to see where these next couple of days uh, finalize the seedings. I couldn't agree more. I will have to say I am very excited for the play-in game, but I am even happier that my Knicks don't have to be in it. Yeah, because you have, what, two games left now? Oh, they're so in you it. Just need to, yeah, you just, you're, you're finalizing one of the six, so. I believe so, because I think the Celtics are at the 7th seed at 35-35, and 35, and the Knicks already have 39 wins after today. Yep, you're set. All right, man, you ready to move on to some MLB? I really am. All right, let's Yankees, start it man? off. Um, the Yankees are playing better baseball. The pitching has been electric. Capped off last night with a... Just a throwback gem from Garrett Cole. I know they lost today. You're going to lose some. But to take two games from uh, from Tampa Bay down at the Trop, that's big. That's huge. And they're really starting to turn it around. And, uh, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm pulling my finger back off the panic button. And I have to say the Red Sox are not long for first place. And, and you know, the MLB put out power rankings and the Red Sox were number one. Let's pump the brakes. It's been a fun <laughs> year, but let's pump. 
Uh, I'm right there with you. Hey, the Yanks are nine and three in their last twelve after tonight, and they're winning a boatload of series. And I want to just read some numbers to you. You mentioned how the pitching's been electric. Listen to this: Tyon pitched tonight and didn't pitch well, so his ERA is going up. But Garrett Cole's five and one with a one three seven. Corey Kluber two and two three oh six. Monty's two and one with a three nine six. Herman's two and two with a four oh two. And the that's Blue from his first two starts. Exactly. Same with Kluber. So heading into tonight, obviously the CRA is going up after Tyon and some of the bullpen, but they were coming in with a 308. So the pitching, both starting and relieving, has been great because let's be honest, man, what's very frightening is this team just doesn't fucking hit. Absolutely, man. We need the bats. Aside from Stanton, I'm not going to talk shit about my guy Giancarlo um, because he has been great this year. As you notice, I'm calling him Giancarlo. Yeah, uh, no the, longer Mike. Yes, well, when he's playing like this, he's Giancarlo. The bats have absolutely been asleep. Uh, Glaber's got COVID, so he's going to be out for, I'd probably say two weeks, ten right? Days. Yeah, 10 days, yeah. two weeks, we'll give it that. Um, I mean, but the pitching has just been amazing from top to bottom. Look at Chapman, man. He's having, like, the best start to his career ever. He's pitching to a zero right now. Yeah, he hasn't allowed an earned run. The only run he gave up was when that ghost runner on Saturday was at second and he scored. Other than that, he hasn't allowed a run. He's been ridiculous. Yeah. And listen, this team just needs to start hitting. I I still getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. I still really want them to diversify this as I'm diversifying my portfolio portfolio <laughs> investment wise, I really want them to divi- diversify this lineup a little bit. Well, Rizzo, you know, you mentioned Rizzo, Trevor Story Rizzo, be Rizzo. available. Yep. And, and Trevor Story might be available. Or and, even Joey Votto. He's having a comeback year. He is, but he's under contract for a while. I don't think the Yankees want to invest in the guy that's another big contract for several years. And and Voight's back, and the Yankees need to give him an opportunity to find his footing. Give him an opportunity to play well so they can trade him. See that, or he's just playing really well, man. I mean, he's a home run leader last year in a truncated season. So I I feel good about where the Yankees are. They're winning series. I mean, they finally won a series down in Tampa. They took two or three from Houston. They took two or three from Washington. And now they head into Baltimore and then into Texas. So, you know, that's seven games right there. You've got to take five of seven minimum, and I think they will. So Tyon right now seems to be the outlier in the rotation of the guy that's not throwing the best. The rest of the guys seem to be at the top of their game. Couldn't agree more with your statement on the five and seven. They need to take five out of seven. And, yeah, maybe the pitching doctor that they hired last year, the rocket scientist, whatever he is, the uh... – Matt Blake. Yeah, Matt Blake, the Matty PP of the MLB, if you will, the <laughs> rocket scientist. Luckily, he looks a lot cooler. He's not seven hundred pounds, and he doesn't have a pencil in his ear. Can uh, can take Blake? <laughs> can uh, take uh, Blake? Can take Ty on to the side? Just yeah, Ty on. Couple days of side work. It would be nice, um, but Kluber has looked vintage lately, and I know we kind of gave up on him, so I think we got to give him props right now. He he has looked Hell yeah. really good. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the Mets, who right now lead the NL East to 18 and 13. Oh, Tom, and, such an. I mean, I know it's early to toot my own horn, but. I, oh, I mean, here you go. Yep. No go big ahead. deal. No yeah. big deal. <laughs> no, go ahead. Have fun. Um, this is the time where you should. 
Jacob DeGrom's on the IL, though, uh, with 10 a back. day with, with some back issues. But <laughs> he was pitching to a 3-2 and two record, and here's where I laugh. Because it's yet another year where he has two losses. You know what his ERA is? Probably sub 1.2. 0.68. And he has 65 strikeouts, and he has two losses. <sighs> Lindor's finally hitting. He's up to 202, so good for him. Ever since that raccoon incident. Yeah, what did you take from that? That cracked me up, especially with a classic Mets response to like, oh, no, we just had a disagreement over what it was. Like, you guys fucking went at each other, him and McNeil. I mean, this is where the New York media kills me because they're blowing it up about it. I mean... People get in fights. It's 160 games. You're you're gonna go back and forth. You're hanging out with each other more than you are your own family. You're gonna get pissed off. Honestly, it kind of gave them a little bit of a spark. They've been playing great, and their offense has really picked up because that was that's what was holding them back before that. And I mean, I, the raccoon thing was a little bit in jest. Like it, it was a little tongue in cheek. And and let's move on. Like. The, the New York media is leading fucking sports shows with it. Like, oh, I can't believe they would make up that story. And why can't you just tell the truth? Get the fuck over it. You know what I mean? It's like, can we talk about how in New York right now, the fucking, the, the Knicks and the Nets are amazing. And the Yankees are, are, are on the verge of taking the AL East back and the Mets are are in the lead for the NL East and the Jets and the Giants just made fucking, you know, their draft picks and the Rangers just fired everybody under the sun. Let's talk yeah, about Islanders sports. Yeah, I wonder if they're one of the top teams in the East. Yeah, let, let's talk about sports instead of talking about how you didn't appreciate how they weren't being serious about it. How about this? Fucking kiss my ass. How about that? <laughs> I love that attitude. I'm right there with you. It was so fucking dumb, but classic New York media... And I think that was Lindor kind of finding his ropes with the New York media being like, I just playing this fucking fun and easy. I don't understand why this is a huge question. And he also played it very much in jest when, you know, the, the fans were booing him. And he's like, I, I would boo me too, but I'm trying my hardest and I'm having fun and I'm going to keep smiling. And to him, that always worked in Cleveland, but for some reason it's not working in New York. But at least he's up to 202. He's got a 596 OPS and 109 at-bats. Um, so I think he's finally turning the corner. The Mets are a good team, man. I know you picked them, so I'm not going to you know, blow smoke up your ass. I know you saw this coming, but so far so good for the New York Mets. I wouldn't be concerned with Alonso. I wouldn't be concerned with uh, Lindor. Those are big-time players. They are going to turn it around. Lindor is going to be about – be up to 260, 270 by the end of the year. I would be concerned with McCann sinking all that money into him, and he looks doo-doo. Yeah, he's he's been awful. So before I get your take on what's captivating you baseball-wise, um, Francisco or uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., rather, he, he's on the COVID IL right now, and that sucks. He's been playing great. I love this NL West. But um, can I just read you some Shohei Otani stats real fast? Sure, if you want my brain to explode. This is, uh, it, it's, it needs to explode, and I hope every listener's b- brain explodes too because this is unreal. So as a pitcher, he's 1-0 with a 2-1-0 ERA. He's got 40 Ks in 25 and two-thirds innings with a 1-2-1 whip. Let's turn him over to the other side. He's hitting 257 with 10 bombs 
with an 877 OPS and a 574 slugging percentage. And after throwing seven innings of one-run ball yesterday, he went out and played right field. This guy is the best baseball player I've ever fucking seen. That sounds like uh, a, like a Little League stat line. It is. For like a kid where you're like, yeah, he's going to go D1. Like he's that good in like eighth grade. But like that's – it's this is professional fucking baseball. And he's got the greatest hitter of all time in center field next to him. And he's making it look like child's play. It's insane. Meanwhile, they had one of the best players of all time, the Angels with Albert Pujols, finally decided to cut ties. I want to get your takes on that because there was a lot of backlash from around the league of the fact they just cut him. But they've got a couple of players down in the minors who they need to give ABs to. It kind of reminded me of when the Yankees just basically gave A-Rod the ultimatum a couple years ago, five years ago now. But I guess maybe a lot of people thought it was a disservice to Pujols. A, what did you think of the DFA? And B, do you see him being picked up? And I guess as a B1, where do you see him going? I do see him being picked up, um, maybe back to St. Louis, although, I mean, obviously he's not going to play every day. There's no DH there, so probably not there. Maybe he'll go to, like, Seattle or something. I don't know if he wants to finish out his career and play a little bit more. But to answer your first question, it is what it is. What do the Angels owe him? It's not like like he, you know, he's a Cardinal. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Cardinal. But this is a business, and their first baseman, what's his name? Is it Jared Walsh? Mm-hmm. He has been tearing the cover off the ball. He's one of the best players in baseball. Obviously, you're not going to take at bats away for, from him, and, and we're not talking about past results for here. They paid you so much money for a really long time, and he really did nothing special aside from break some records in an Angels uniform. Great career. Uh, I'll I'll tear up for you at your Hall of Fame speech, but you know it's time to hang up the cleats. One of the worst contracts of all time. Um, I mean, the Angels have a couple of them between him, C.J. Wilson, yeah. uh, Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I would say one of the worst contracts of all time. What makes it so fucking bad is the fact that they won zero playoff series with him. They went to the playoffs once with him. And that's an indictment well, he was, on the He was a non-contributor for the he most part. He was a non-contributor, but if you have a better supporting cast, there is a chance that he has one of those all-time postseasons where you're like, oh, here we go. So what makes more, it so but... bad because, you know, people talk about, well, this is why you don't give you 10-year contracts. A, this is why you don't give you 10-year contracts to 31-year-olds. But B, you don't give 10-year contracts. The contract always looks so much worse when the guy, when you don't do anything with him. You know, at least with the Yankees, with CeCe, is you got a title. With A Rod, yeah, A Rod, when you gave him that 10 year extension after he opted out after 07, you got 09 out of him. You could justify the lack of production later on, even to Shara, hey, he gave you 09 and four really productive years. You got nothing out of pools. No, not at all. And I mean, it's where that deal was just terrible in general. He already had foot problems. He was an aging player. He looked done uh, towards the end of St. Louis. So I just terrible deal. But also people giving him shit, uh, people giving the Angels shit on social media. Like, let's turn the page here, because you know what? If they were starting him every single day at first base as Angels fans, you guys would be having a heart attack. <laughs> Totally agree. Uh, give me your biggest surprises team-wise as far as standings are concerned in the AL and NL so far, and then also your biggest disappointments. 
biggest disappointment was going to be the Yankees, but I suppose not so much anymore. Um, I don't know. Who are your? What's your biggest surprise? Oh, for me right now, it's got to be the San Francisco Giants. I mean, yeah, they're twenty-two I, and they're twenty-two and fourteen. Absolutely, their pitching looks great. They're they're just uh, I'll put them as fun. I mean, you and I both had them finishing at the bottom of the division. Um, I mean, in the AL, although the Indians are right up there, and I picked them to make the playoffs. They've been oh, Sean, your run. Twins are at twelve and twenty-three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they were going to be one of my biggest disappointments. So thanks for bearing the lead on that. Yeah. Well, listen, twelve and twenty-three, <laughs> and listen, I'm getting way ahead of myself at a one sixty-two game season here. But God, am I coming up roses? Yeah, so far you're looking like a fucking genius, and I'm happy that's good for your confidence. Um, one of my biggest disappointments has to be the Dodgers. They're only 20-17, and 17 and they went through a really rough patch, and right now Dustin May's out for the year. They, they do have some problems, man. Yeah, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm not quite smashing the panic button just because they have so much talent and so much talent down in the farm that they can turn to as well that's the best-run team in baseball, but... A lot of trade assets, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that team will be back atop uh, before you know it. The San Francisco Giants, I don't think they're long for first place. The only team they're going to have to compete with out in the West is the San Diego Padres, uh, who have been another really good team. I think we saw that coming, but I, I don't think I expected them to be this good this soon. I want to ask you about how you feel about the no-hitter so far in baseball, and especially the lack of offense that we've seen. It's the lowest since 1968, which was the year of the pitcher, and before they lowered the mound. We've had four no-hitters. I'm going to count it five because Mad Bums, that was a no-hitter, right? We're, we're in agreement there. It was a no-hitter, although I don't think he would have been able to get through all nine because he was already at like 90-something pitches. But, hey, he didn't give up a hit in the game, so that's considered a no-hitter. Wasn't a nine inning game, it was a seven inning game. So we got Musgrove, we've got Rondone, we had um, Means, and we just had Wade Miley. So what do you what do you take from all of these no hitters and the lack of offense in baseball this year, dude? Because it's wild. I think it's just a perfect storm of these guys trying to lift and carry and 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 hit these balls out high strikeout numbers, and also the Denton ball. I think the Tetan ball is getting rid of a lot of home runs that are turning into cans of corn out there. Have you seen a lot of balls watching Yanks games and, and other games where, you know, the last few years it was a no-doubter and then you're like, holy shit, that was caught? Yeah, and, you know, I heard it from the announcers a couple times where it's like, oh, in July that'll be gone. It's like, no, in in May, that would be gone, too. It's just there's a Denton ball. It has nothing to do with the weather. It's that they fucking altered the ball. And, right. and, you know, and now you've got, I've heard, um, uh, maybe it was on Bill Simmons' podcast or somebody's podcast, they were saying, oh, well, now we need to lower the mound or move it back because DeGrom's been so feet. dominant or whatever. Why? Why do we have to do that? Just roll back what you did and say you made a mistake instead of having to make more adjustments. Like making two adjustments to fix the first one. Just admit you were wrong on the first one. And I'm not saying, listen, the home run numbers were getting a bit ridiculous, but maybe don't deaden the ball as much or don't loosen the seams as much because clearly the spin rates on the balls are even higher and there's you're getting even more movement out of the balls. And then when the hit, hitters actually do hit them, they're not going as far. Here's an adjustment. How about you teach hitters how to actually hit the ball instead of just focus on launch angle and accept that you know 109, 190 strikeouts in a year is socially acceptable? Because that's what it's been. You you look at guys, and, and I can't tell you, man, how many 
I watched Mike Ford hit. And, and you know, uh, uh, I have friends of mine who absolutely despise him. And they're like, why is Mike Ford playing? I'm like, because he's got lefty power and he has a good eye. And they're like, no, but he fucking sucks. I'm like, listen, I'm telling you why he's getting at bats. I'm not mm-hmm. telling you that I endorse it, but that's what it is. If he squares one up, he'll hit one out, and he also has a good eye, and he'll walk. He's not going to do anything else, and that has become commonplace in it's, today's baseball. And it's unbelievable because you know what? Like, I saw a special on MLB Network, and it was uh, Josh Donaldson saying, you know, ground balls don't get you uh, – don't get you paid. And I agree. Josh Donaldson's a former MVP. Listen, if you want to work on your launch angle and try and hit a home run every fucking time, fine. But you're also Josh Donaldson, right? The the la- Tyler Wade should not be having the same approach at the plate as Josh Donaldson. Look what Brett Gardner turned into. Brett Gardner turned into a guy that hits 210 and might hit a home run every, you know, 35 at bats. He was a guy that was like an infield single machine. Yep. And and I think that is even a bigger part than the debt in baseball is that, you know, there's no variation in players anymore. And it's like, listen, you're in the big leagues. You got to do everything you can to stay up here. Tyler Wade or, you know, your Brett Gardner's or, or name another utility player that doesn't have that much pop but has a lot of other skills and can run into one every once in a while. Hey, maybe go the other way with a baseball or, or, you know, or hit towards the middle or fucking steal a goddamn base or lay down a decent bunt. It's just, it's the nine hitter should not be fucking trying, you know, working on their launch angle and trying to lift every ball. No. And that, and that's the problem is it, but the analytics say is like, you know, Aaron Boone has said this and it, and sadly it's true is when you get into the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. And when you're facing the best pitchers, you're likely not going to string together an inning of four, five, six hits against a great pitcher, right? Like the Yankees had to deal with Verlander and Cole or Verlander and Keuchel and guys of that nature. Like you're going to win because you hit a two-run homer. So that's what these teams are are based off of. And in the regular season, you hope that you just bludgeon a couple teams to death, win your 100 games, and in the playoffs it's a crapshoot. The problem is, is you watch a team like Tampa last year, steal bases on your left and right, advance runners, bunt guys over, situational hit with sack flies or, or, or ground balls to the right side, and the Yankees don't do any of that, and a lot of baseball doesn't do anything like that. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And listen, I'm all for the analytics. I, I think there is definitely a place in the game for it. But we've gotten past the point of where analytics are aiding and abetting the game, and it's gotten to the point now where not only are you using it, but you're using numbers to make decisions that sometimes you just use to support an argument. Like right now I could pull up an argument. I I could pull up a bunch of numbers that are quote unquote analytics. I could tell you Russell Westbrook is the greatest player of all time, but I also have eyes. (laughs) Exactly. You know what I mean? And there's certain situations in the game where it's like, Okay, the analytics here say, you know, swing for the fences, but we have a runner on second with nobody out, and mm-hmm. we want to avoid going to extra innings here, and our nine hitter is up, and then DJ LeMahieu is up right after that, who has like a historically high um, batting average when it comes to runners in scoring position. Maybe Tyler Wade should put down a bunt, get the runner to third, and then all LeMahieu has to do is hit it, 
hit it to the second baseman, and that run is going to score, and we're going to win the game. Like, there's certain times, I, I was listening to, uh, what's his face, Ryan Rosillo's podcast today, and Todd Zeal said that exact same thing from SNY, former MLBer, where in the it, it, in a macro level, 162, completely understand analytics, but on a micro level, on a game-by-game basis, some decisions should not be made just off what the numbers say. Use your fucking eyes sometimes. Well, that's where we're at, and it's a great observation by Zeal. And, and you know, Michael Kay on his show has, has has tried to display that and demonstrate it as much as possible. And it's truly annoying because look at the Dodgers. They broke through finally last year, but it was a year that was unlike any other. And we're going to look at them as World Series champs, and we're going to look at them as one of the best teams of all time. And, and sure, and they've been knocking on the door. But think about how many times they fucking failed in the playoffs and because of why. Because they didn't do shit. They were so analytically driven that Dave Roberts was looked at as a puppet mattingly before him that this team just doesn't know how to deviate from their plan that won them 104 games in the regular season despite playing a best of five or a best of seven. Absolutely. And this is where This is the problem that we're at with the Yankees. It's... I'm not worried about them making the playoffs. They'll make it as a wild card or as a or as a division winner, and that'll be fine. The question is: is how do you how do you take what you did in the regular season and and move chess pieces to a certain point of the board when you're playing a team in a best of five or a best of seven? And if you can't do that, I'm when sorry, every single lose. run matters, exactly. And I look at the Yankees, and I'm like, I don't care. Like those last two games against Tampa prior to tonight. I think they won three to one and won nothing. You still can't score. You are lucky that your pitching was that dominant. If if Cole gives up two runs in that game, that's still a fucking gem. Two runs in eight innings, and you're going to lose two to one because you couldn't fucking hit. Absolutely, and I mean, just like I'll give you the last two World Series winners. You have last year the L.A. Dodgers, where we said it on our podcast multiple times. The reason why they won is because they let Dave Roberts manage a little bit more than just buy the analytical book than he ever did before. And look what happened. And the year before that, the guy who the team who went by the analytics, the absolute least of any team, and I'm sure they still compared to 10 years ago, went about it a lot more than any other team. But that was Dave Matthews and the and the Washington Nationals. Davey Martinez, but I know Dave Matthews yeah. band, good band. <laughs> Dave Matthews. <laughs> I love that. That was where you went, Dave Matthews. That's who it was. Um, Another but famous Dave Martinez. Guy. Yes, <laughs> I think Dave Matthews. Dave. Hey, listen, you I got Dave the initials Ebb, right, and you were like, "That's who it is." <laughs> got the initials right. <laughs> I like that, but you're right, and that that's so true because. They had great starting pitching. They had a couple of situational hits that that won them that wild card game against the Brewers. And uh, Howie Kendrick had that big grand slam against the Dodgers. And they were able to carry it over into a win because great starting pitching still seems to be what wins you championships. But, yeah, man, I mean, there's different ways to go about it. And the year before that, you can even go back to the Alex Cora Red Sox team. Alex Cora came from that analytical crazy ass dot or uh astros team cheaters but cheaters but caught cheaters the red Sox were like hey we're gonna allow you to kind of manage this the way you want to and 
parlayed into a championship. So And guess who's managing them this year and their resurgence? Alex Cora. Absolutely. Yeah, man, I, I think it's gotten far past the point more than any other sport um, to, to, to more to, to more to honestly, it's holding you back a little bit. It's more of a nuisance than it is an asset at this point. And sometimes you're just using analytics to, to win an argument. The worst part is is it, I feel defeated because I try to explain something and I hate a decision that's being made. And I see what's happening, and I'm like... Well, the numbers. Well, the numbers say that they're going to do it. And I'm like, anybody that blames Boone is just like... I, I I remember the days where I used to be like, why in the fuck is Girardi doing this? Or like, Tori, like, what are you doing? And now I'm just like, well, you know, the numbers say this, so Boone's going to do this. And yeah. It's just like, it feels so like... You're just not as into it when it happens because they're like, well, you know, this is what the numbers say, so this is the obvious move. And if it doesn't work, I'm like, you're kind of comatose because you're like, well, you know, I, I get why they did it, and it sucks because it, because it. they're using the numbers as a, they they'll pull up any number they want as an argument, and there it is. That's why. And it's like, well, I guess because it's a fact, I can't really argue with that. But you want to know what the other fact is? Is the fact that they sent Tyler Wade up there and he swung for the fences and he fucking struck out. And where when he could have bunted a guy over and we lost. So the real fact is is that we lost. Exactly. And they're gonna be like, Well, you know, he hits change ups and it's like, Well, they he doesn't hit the closers change up who's pitching to a two you know, a one point two ERA. And yeah. Just, yeah, it, it's it's very annoying because I can't I used to be so pissed when they'd lose or in a game where I really thought they should win. And now I'm just like desensitized to it. I'm kinda like, uh, oh, well, you know, this is what the move said, so okay. I wonder yeah, how Boone feels. I, I wonder how other managers feel. I wonder if they're kind of the same way. I mean, you look at Kevin Cash. I mean, who took more backlash for a, a move than him pulling Blake Snell last year? And Blake Snell gets traded, and you know he's fine because he gets to keep his job because that's what the numbers say, and <laughs> he he did what he was told. The front office set him to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Um, I will tell you one surprise. Not even a surprise, though, but we got to have Will Smith on this podcast soon. He mentioned it to me again on Mother's Day, so we have to uh, we have to we have to get him on here. But I, I do want you guys to just admit you were wrong in saying that you wouldn't trade Ronald Acuna for Aaron Judge. Please. <laughs> yeah, right now. Right now, I, uh, all the I time. Admit it. Yeah, I, I. Hey, listen. Last year. I wasn't going to do it, and there was no reason for me to do it. But right now, yes, yes, I changed my mind, and the same with Wilson Contreras and, and Gary Sanchez. He so. was right about that, absolutely. Wilson Contreras so, is, like, probably the best catcher in baseball behind, like, Buster Posey right now. Yeah, which is weird to say. This is in 2014. But, yes, uh, I admit on both of those, but I'm also not going to apologize for it. At the time, I I felt very strongly about both sean i'm a kingmaker if i deem a player good they're good well right now you you seem to be untouchable i can't wait to check in in a couple months <laughs> right when otani's on the il again <laughs> well when i when otani's had a couple rough starts and you're like god damn it man I, it was i swear it was it was you know it, it was definitely his defense it's like dude there were no errors made well you know they should have been there like, well no <laughs> the analytics really. say yeah, the analytics say they should have had the shift on. Well, listen, the thing with Otani is is that he 
has he ever I don't even really remember him ever getting shelled the only thing that's been disappointing is his health he's so nasty he's had some games where he's walked a boatload of guys but yeah he's really never gotten hit dude he threw a pitch 101 and then hit a ball 110 (laughs) yeah I know it's it's hard to believe that we're in the same game it's hard yeah it's hard to believe that we're of the same species huh Oh, yeah, no, this is where I just bow down and, like, I am an inferior human being. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'm better at, uh, maybe I'm better at golf. I bet you know, though. I bet you definitely know. What's going on in the PGA right now? Well, speaking of PGA, um, they're playing, uh, they're playing the Byron Nelson. I believe that's down in Texas this week. Um, Rory McIlroy got a win last week at the Wells Fargo, so it was good to see him get on the board. I was getting a little worried about him but it was cool because um his wife within the last month or two had given birth so it was cool on mother's day for him to win and all that all that cool shit um but uh this week we got the byron nelson next week we have i believe it's the u.s open or the pga championship let me look it up while i talk here which is obviously a major um, and, and that one, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm going to be going all in on giving you all, giving you my foursome, um, oh, yeah. and whatnot. But this week down in Texas, um, at Craig ranch, it's a PGA championship next week. I'm just going to give you my guy. I'm just going to give you my guy and one other guy what, for this weekend. One of my guys, I'm going to pick a Texas guy cause it's down there and He's been knocking on the door for the last two years. Still has yet to get a win. Scotty Scheffler. All right. I'm yep. going to be looking for him. Yes. The other guy to pay attention to because it is down in Texas right by SMU. Former SMU. What is it? Bronco? SMU. Some type of horse. SMU Broncos. Yeah. So that's what we're going to go with. Um, <laughs> and that is Bryson DeChambeau. Ah, nice. Hey, what the hell happened with him? What was it, last week where he, like, thought he missed the cut and he, like, left? And yeah. then it was like, hey, man, by the way, you actually made it. And he had to fly back and he just casually went back and shot a 68. Yeah, he, I mean, I think he <laughs> was in, like, I think he was in, like, 74th place and him and his team were like, oh, we're not making it. But he finished early. And then somebody called his agent from the plane and was like, hey, it's been a bad afternoon. Like, he's down to, like, 60-something. Like, he's going to make the cut. And he was like, I guess we'll turn this bitch around. And then just fucking, he's he's in the top five on Sunday. Perks of a private jet, man. Good for him. Yeah, I don't think he even pays for it. I, I've seen a commercial with him in the, maybe NetJets or something. I don't know. We'll get there. Hey. Hey, whatever. Um, looking forward to the PGA next weekend. But hey, Quail Hollow, fun. toughest course in America, apparently. Nice. Well, you know, uh, you're gonna have a little bit of time to to pick out your foursome for that. Um, I'm gonna expect Tony Fee now in one of those four. Um, but I I don't give a shit about this sport. But I thought this was just hilarious. So, did you pay it all attention to the Bob Baffert? Uh, his horse Medina Spirit getting caught for PEDs after the Kentucky Derby win. I did, and I thought it was hilarious. And then um, I think Trump released a statement about it as well. Oh no! Well, I didn't see that. You can fill me in in a second. It was it was a bad statement. 
My favorite was Bob Baffert, the, the trainer that's won a boatload of Kentucky Derbies. And Medina Spirit, his horse, is supposed to head into the Preakness this weekend. And the only reason I know this is because I've heard it by so many people. I do not give a fuck about horse racing. But this is hilarious. So he goes, I just feel so bad for the horse. He did so, he, you know, he worked so hard. He, he trained so hard, you know, and, and he's just such a great horse. And I'm like, the horse has no fucking idea what's going on. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to defend the poor horse as if he's an athlete. Like, the horse doesn't know what he took. The horse is just focused on his next meal. What are you talking about? You feel so bad for the horse and that you're crying for the horse. Well, horse if you felt no so bad for the horse, on. why don't you stop pumping him full of fucking steroids? How about oh that? Oh, my God. I was dying laughing, dude. I was just like, this is ridiculous. I mean, he's literally defending him as if he's like one of, like, uh, like if, if <laughs> Aaron Boone had to defend one of his players and be like, listen, that was a really rough error, but he did his best, and he's just such a good kid. We care about him. The horse doesn't know what the fuck he did. He's just trying to eat his next meal. It was ridiculous, and I was actually laughing my ass off. And uh, yeah, I thought idiot. that was noteworthy. Well, good horse racer, not a good a good horse breeder, whatever he is, not a good speaker. Clearly. That's idiotic. At least just say I feel bad for the jockey. At least you can say you feel bad for a human with feelings. <laughs> Somebody with a conscious. Yeah. Well, then Trump released a statement. I don't know where he's releasing statements. Maybe it's by carrier pigeon. Well, at this it's point. definitely not by Facebook or Twitter. That's for Yeah. Maybe sure. he's got one of those Harry Potter owls or something, but he said <laughs> something like it's a real shame. The horses are cheating in the Kentucky Derby and Joe Biden's president. I would have, if I was his PR, I would have said it's a shame in this country. Even the horses cheat and even the presidents do too. That would have been better, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it wasn't you, as clever yeah well of course not and we saw that for four years and that was four years too long yeah all right man well are you vaccinated first dose is done man. nice you felt okay after yes good to hear uh, second dose is gonna put you on your ass i hear yeah i've heard i've heard that it didn't for me but i also uh i had a bout with covid so yeah yeah you had the antibodies but well well you know we'll see i'm a few weeks out from that but i will tell you this i have wa- i have been watching two shows let's hear it bro them on amazon prime <laughs> the story of the african-american family in the 50s that moved to an all-white compton it's it's very much like a get out but as a series mm. it's really fucked up Oof. it's really fucked up but it's very captivating uh the acting is tremendous and if you have the stomach for it definitely tune in there's 10 episodes in season one and i started well uh i jumped into the first uh like episodes nine and ten of homeland but then i've started going back Hmm. um and that's been a very interesting series i've enjoyed that too uh also captivating so i'm diversifying i'm diversifying my portfolio homeland is the one with the guy from billions yes you want me to spoil it for you yeah, sure, why not? Uh, he was a terrorist. Yeah, all right, there you go. <laughs> I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. I, that was one and of those I'm shows. Still watch it. That was one of those shows where I was over it after season two and I stopped watching it. Although I do find the um is she bipolar, the bipolar chick in it very attractive. Oh, the one with the, yeah, who's on the uh antidepressants and everything? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
I watched the uh, Ted, B- not Ted Bundy. Sorry, I'm getting my serial killers mixed up. I watched um, the <laughs> Son of Sam documentary on. Uh, I really Netflix. wish I had that as a drop. I'm getting my serial <laughs> killers mixed up. I watched the Son of Sam documentary on Netflix. Very interesting stuff. Would recommend. It's only four episodes, so you'll knock that yeah. out in four hours. Mid seventies, right? Yeah. In very good. Very very yeah. good. Um, that one ran. It, it started Miskowitz obviously. Was this, yeah, Miskowitz, right? or something like that. Yeah, Moskowitz, whatever. Moskowitz, yeah. Jewish, yes. Him too. Yeah, him, him. Um, apparently, there was some accomplices with that. So, very interesting right. stuff. Very um, cool. Yeah. Well, I thought you'd be proud of me that I actually like watched other things. Well, I'm proud of you to start settling down. You're finally, you know, you're you're a true Texan. You're a little bit dumber. Yeah, um, that's nice of you that you continue to poke that out of me. Yeah, thanks. Everything else is good down there? Everything else is good, man. Yeah, weather is... It's been very rainy lately, but I'm sure I'm not going to get any kind of sympathy from you, nor do I expect it. It's been uh, rainy up here, too, so no, Temperature's been nice. Yeah. How about you? What's, uh, what's going on up there with you? Golf game's gotten a little better. We haven't spoken Strap, since... From what uh, I hear. What? Scratch, yeah, well, that's what I just want you to call me that from now on. Um, golf game's gotten a little better. Swapped out my irons. Um, I don't know when the last time we talked. Was it after or before my golf outing? Um, kind of had not a great round there, but things have been coming around. Um, after I got rid of my bladed set of irons and moved back to uh, a little bit more forgiving of a set, everything seems to be falling into a place. It's a mental game. I'm a little bit more confident. Um Michaela is in Mexico this weekend, so I am going to be looking to play at least 18 holes, <laughs> maybe 36 um, this weekend. So, you know, things are looking okay. Hey, there you go. Hope she has a good time. When are you getting to the Bronx for a game? Well, we'll have to look at that. Their tickets, first of all, they're they're tough to get, and they're not cheap. They're opening up soon, though, aren't they up there? Well, it's open for vaccinated people, but it's not obviously not full capacity. Can't even find the seats on the secondary market at this point. People are really holding on to them. But we'll mm. see when she gets back from Tulum how she's feeling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I told her not to drink the water and uh, just, you know. Uh, well, my last piece of advice to her was... Uh, Stay, stick together, um, and don't do anything stupid. I'd hate to see your head come home in a bag. Well, that's very nice of you. Yeah. I'm sure she appreciates uh, it. It's a little low-key, though. It's not like she's going to, uh, I don't know, Mexico City or something. Yeah, she's not going out in the boonies out there. Yeah, no, there's no, I don't, I don't know about the cartel presence in Tulum. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to get out to one. I, I think I mentioned it on the pod that uh, they're not doing the the uh program that they do for her at columbia where she gets cheap tickets but she said she was going to send an email directly to yankees uh to yankees events or whatever and maybe they'll feel bad so i don't know Uh, as long as you can play the sympathy card i I think this is if there's ever been a climate to play one uh this is the time and it's really not even that you know far-fetched i mean she is an essential worker yeah couldn't agree more are you so so yeah no big deal scarily enough as that is uh, the two of you should be able to show your cards and, and get into a ball game. I should, being that my company fucking does all of the, You're uh, at the stadium. does all the fire for the stadium. You know, I could I could justify that maybe I should be on site during these games to make sure everything is safe. 
I think that would be a very good move by you. Yeah, and yes. and on site doesn't mean that I have to be in the in the fire in the fire alarm room. I could just be, you know, I don't know, maybe on maybe behind home plate. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, one of the concourses where you're overlooking, you know, the field and making sure that the umpire's doing his job and that the game's being, you know, managed the right way and take a couple laps and yeah, I'll yeah. check I'll check a couple um, you know, tampers and water flows. Make sure on my people are wearing over. their masks. Yeah, of course. I mean, none of that is under my stuff, but I'll I'll do that. That gets me in the building. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. You could say that that was your job. For Once you're sure. in, you're fine. Absolutely. I just need to get in the gates. <laughs> exactly. Any sporting events for you down there? No. Yankees are playing the Rangers down here for four games next week, but I will not be attending any oh, of Oh, bro, you should go. I mean, the world's open in Texas. It is, but it's a Monday through Thursday, and, mm. you know, I'm actually working again, so I True. don't believe I'll be able to get down there, but I'll be able to watch the games at least. Uh, I have been able to watch all the games with MLB TV, but they'll black us out and make us watch it on the Rangers network, but that's fine. Just um, put it on mute, man. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to listen to any of those clowns. But uh, yeah, I you know been able to watch all the games and everything's fine. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. Well, I'm glad we're back out here. I'm glad we're back doing this. We got to get Frenchie on soon. Oh yeah, he's and Will Smith. He's itching and ready to go, as I'm sure Will is. So let's get Frenchie on and do his full draft recap, and then we can finally put that to bed. And then get Will on here to talk about what he wants to talk about. And then before you know it, we're at 200 episodes. I think we're like four away now. I know, man. That's it's crazy to think. It feels like just yesterday, man. Look at us grow. <laughs> Look at us. All right, man. That about wraps it up. I'll talk to you soon, bro. Look forward to it, man. Everybody be good.